And welcome to Ray and Mahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you're joining me today on J Root Radio, which could be found on jrootradio.com, J Root Radio app. There are so many ways to hear J Root Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I really am happy you're joining me here today. You waited. Yes, you waited for Ray and Mahuvim today, because today, as Hashem, we are going to have an, an amazing, amazing class. The reason I say this, I do it with myself, is just that I, I, I feel that we're going to have a lot of siyat to the Shemaya. Why? Because today we're going to hit a really, really critical, critical topic. Um, I think, or I should say maybe even, I know this is strong, I know that all those of you who are married are going to be able to connect to today's show. Be'ez Hashem Yisbarach. Okay. So like this, listen to this, this is, this is I, I'm, you know, Baruch Hashem, I speak to a lot of people, people call me, text me, ask me, whatever it is, so I'm talking to someone who's about to enter the Shidduch world, okay, he's a guy, a bacher, and he's, you know, he's going into Shidduchim, and he's, you know, Greenfield, you know, marriage, this thing, could give me some advices and that, so I'm talking to him, schmoozing with him, and he says to me, Rabbi Greenfield, can I just ask you a question, I'm like, sure, go ahead, what's the matter? Do you mind? I can ask you anything? He's like, yeah, ask me anything. Like, what's the big deal? So he says to me, Rabbi Greenfield, I, I'm, I'm, I hear what you're saying and everything, but I'm just nervous about I'm just very, very nervous. What are you nervous about? He says to me, I'm nervous that I'm going to go on a shidduch, I'm going to find my kala, and I guess we're going to fall in love or whatever, and we're going to get married, and then the same way I fell in love and I feel connected, I'm afraid it's just the feeling is all going to go away. Like, what if the feeling, what if like a couple of years later, a couple of years later or whatever it is, maybe a year later, whatever it is, I just don't feel the same. I just don't feel that love. I don't feel that connection. I don't feel like, okay, I don't know. Things are just not going to work out. I, I don't know. Like, is it possible the love will just dissipate? Like, should I worry about this? Now, I, I love that question. I love that question because, it, first of all, the fact that he thought about it is great. And second of all, can't a lot of us relate to that? To that thought of, well, how come I don't feel what I felt? I don't know. I'm very upset now. I don't feel so connected. I don't know. I, 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 we used to be much closer and connected, but now I don't feel it. I don't know why I do feel it. I don't feel it. Or sometimes you might hear that or sense that from your husband, like he's just not interested anymore. Or sometimes you sense that from your wife, right? That she doesn't feel it anymore. It's a scary prospect of like, this lifetime commitment called marriage, and we're like in it till the end, and how about the fact that it might just dissipate one day? Isn't that a scary, pro- and he asked me, isn't this a, a scary prospect? And, and here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. I want to answer this question with another question, which I think is one of the most, two, two of the most powerful questions that I have heard on last week's Parsha and this week's Parsha. Now, we try to integrate Torah into this show, but this is not just integrating Torah into the show. Torah is marriage. Marriage is Torah. If you don't have Torah Ashkafa, if you don't connect Torah principles to your marriage, you're not married. You're not married. You could call yourself married, but you don't have that connection. You just you don't have those principles. So listen to this. Listen to this fascinating question. I'm sure a lot of you are going to hear this question and be like, oh yeah, Rabbi Greenfield, I, I, I thought about that. I heard a teretz, this teretz, that teretz, but I don't know. I, it's a very good question. Okay, listen to this. Now I'm going to give you a little intro. Some of you know this already, but I'm giving you the intro because... Some of you might not be holding in the parsha, you know. Okay, so I just looked at the parsha. We're looking at the parsha, whatever it is. But some of you might not be holding there. You might be like, "Oh, oh, it's vayigash. Oh, this week is vayigash." I don't know when you're hearing the show. If you're hearing the show today, which is today, right, Thursday, then it's like, "Oh, I guess it's a live show." Yes, and if you're hearing it Monday night, then don't, don't close whatever you're listening to. Now, believe me, this is Mitzvah Shem. Mitzvah will have a siyad. It's a great show, Mitzvah Shem. So what are we saying? We're saying that. Like this. Here's what happened. Let's let's go through the let's go through the storyline. Hold, bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go through the storyline and let's ask the most amazing question because I'm sure when you learned this, you were thinking to yourself, "I don't understand." So what happens? So we, we know the whole story with Yosef and his brothers. Torah says that they were. It seems seems like they were jealous. They weren't jealous. Shvatim shifte Obviously, it's not Pasha. What happened over there? But right. 
throw him into the pit. Then he gets sold. Then he goes to Patifar's house. Then he gets thrown into prison for years. And then finally he gets out of prison. That's what happened last week's Pasha. Yosef finally gets out of prison. He interprets Paroi's dream. And Paroi makes him into the viceroy. He becomes like second to the king. Second to the king. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. What does he do? Of course, he prepares Mitzrayim. They have seven years of plenty. And he puts all the food away because he knows there's going to be the seven years of famine. Fine. Yosef waits. Rabbi Isai, he waits how long? Nine years. I have to say this again. Nine years. He doesn't send any messages to his father, to his brothers, nothing. There's no communication. Can you imagine? No communication. He waits the seven years, right, of plenty, then two years till finally his brothers come. And he seeks them out, by the way. His brothers don't just come. He's looking for his brothers. He finds his brothers. He claims they're spies. They say to him, we're spies? What are you talking about? We're spies. We have a father over here, isn't that? He tells him he doesn't believe them. He says to him, you know what? Why don't you go back and bring your other brother? Bring your other brother. And while you're at it, I'm going to hold on to Shimon, your brother here. He holds Shimon. As they go back, he puts money back into their sacks. They go back to Yaakov Avinu. They say, Yaakov Avinu, they say to their father, we, we can't go back. We have to take Binyamin. And Yaakov Avinu is like, what? Like, he doesn't know what to say. Right? You look at the Lashon of the Pasuk and you could see how Yaakov is mamish, like, like he's torn apart. Like, what is he supposed to do? But, you know, Yehuda finally, finally, after the whole thing, Yehuda gives him a guarantee. He's going to take care of it. He sends Binyamin. They, sent, they come back with Binyamin. Yosef Atzadik sees Binyamin. He sees him. He asks them, is this your brother? He goes to the other room and he's crying his heart out. Yosef Atzadik is crying his heart out. This is so emotional for him. He's finally so Binyamin, this and that. Okay, they leave. What does he have his servants do? He has money put into their sacks again. Because money was put into the sacks before. He has money put into their sacks, and he plants a goblet. Think of a goblet like a big Kiddush cup, okay? Where, where you know, this is like his magical cup. This is like his fortune-telling cup, as if to, that's what he, you know, as if in Mitzrayim, that was the perception of it, whatnot. And he plants the goblet into their sack. He brings them back. He accuses them for stealing the goblet. What happens? They find it in Binyamin's sack. Yehuda says, you know what? Fine, no problem. We're all going to be slaves. Not just, you know, we're all going to be slaves for you. Yosef Atatik says, no, I'm sorry. Not all, all of you. I just want the guy, this one who stole the goblet. No problem. Then this week's parsha Vayigash, Yehuda comes over to Yosef Atzadik, and he says to him, this is what happened, and my father, and my father, and my, my father's an older man, and my father this, my father's, and, and Yehuda finishes, and Yehuda says, how could I do this? V'nafsho, kishura benafsho. His, his nefesh is connected. My, my father had two sons, and, and one of them died, and, and, and we took the other one, and we, we can't do this, we can't do this, until finally Yosef's, right? Ani Yosef, ha'odovin chai, right? Is, is our father still alive? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, are you asking the question yet? Because it's so obvious. Why did he wait so long to tell his father what happened? Why, why did Yosef wait so long? Why didn't you just send a messenger to his father to let him know that he's still alive? That's question number one. Question number two, why, what's this whole thing with the, with the brothers? Why did he do that to them? Was he trying to torture them? Like, what, what was the point? Obviously, Yosef is like, On one hand, if you're going to say to them that you're Yosef, say Yosef. If not, what is this, like a... What, what is he doing with them? What's the purpose of all this? Just say, I'm Yosef. Or don't say anything. You want to punish them? Punish them. Like, what, what is this whole thing? What's the purpose of it? Ladies and gentlemen, I heard the most fascinating, fascinating shot of this. Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch. Unbelievable shot on this. You want to know why, ladies and gentlemen, you want to know why Yosef did this. Why didn't he send a message to his father? Why did he do this to his brothers? You want to know why, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you why. Because he wanted to make shalom. And I have to say this again. Because he wanted to make shalom. That was his purpose. He just wanted peace. And he wanted the peace to be real. Two parts of it. Number one, number one, he wanted to feel 
connected again to his brothers. He wanted to feel connected. And you can imagine how Yosef felt. I mean, he was thrown into the pit. He was sold. He was in prison. Can you imagine how he felt towards his brothers? It's very easy to say, well, okay, fine. Shalom, okay, it's over. I feel connected again to you. Okay, fine. Hi, how are you? It's me. Right? No, 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 no. He would clearly have feelings of animosity towards his brothers. He didn't want that. He wanted shalom, number one. Number two, he wanted his brothers to also feel shalom. Not just him. He wanted his brothers to feel like reconnected to him. He wanted to have real, to establish real peace between him and his brothers. And you know something else? You know what was probably most important for him? Actually, I think Refresh actually speaks about this. That what he wanted his father, Yaakov Avinu, to know that his children are connected, really, really connected. And that would not have happened if he would have, number one, told his father right away. Because if he would have told his father right away, then, okay, it's Yosef, fine. What would have happened? Think about this. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know when you, where you're listening to this, in your kitchen, in your car, on the app, but think for a second here. This is, this is very important. Think for a second. What would have happened the other way around? What would have happened if... Yosef just would have said to his brothers, okay, hi, or just send a message right away. I'm Yosef, it's all here, it's fine, it's okay. It wouldn't, you know, they would sort of make up, but they wouldn't really be connected. You want to know why? Because he, he was afraid that he would still have an animosity. Rosham Shemfalash explains. He was scared that he would still have an animosity towards them after everything they did, number one. Number two, he was scared that they're going to have an animosity towards him because they, what was their claim? You know what was their claim? Rip Shamshir Fall Hirsch actually, when he talks before about why the brothers wanted to put him into a pit and they were so jealous, they're not jealous, because they were scared. They, they were scared that what Yosef really wants is control. He wants to control them. When he says he wants a king, and they're bowing down. So they were they they knew king. Rip Shamshir Fall Hirsch explains the history over here, and he explains it beautifully, that what there was Nimrod. There were other kings. There are kings like we don't, you know, don't think today kings. I don't know kings that we have in today's world, in today's society, or presidents. Back then, kings were ruthless, literally ruthless. Think about the kings that were there, whether it's whether it was the, from Og or Nimrod or the Battle of the Kings that we had a couple of weeks past. These kings were ruthless, and they're thinking this is what he wants. He wants control. How are we ever? going to be able to establish Klal Yisrael with this type of attitude. This is not, this is, it's not. It's, 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 this is not. Now, of course, there's many more explanations and their shift they come. We don't really chap. Even when I'm saying this, I don't really chap what it means. I don't chap what it means. Their shift they come. But Rav Shamshin Rafael Hirsch explains that was their issue. Their issue was he, he wants to become a complete ruthless ruler over us. And then when he had the dream, not just the, uh, that, but the planets, the planets are bowing down. It's like, what? Okay, he wants to rule ruthlessly over the whole earth. And that's what happened here. They thought he was going to become a ruthless ruler. So if Yosef at Sadiq, after he got out of prison, if he would have said to his brothers, oh, guess what? I'm out of prison. It's all okay. It wouldn't have worked because they still would have possibly doubted in their minds. Okay, what type of, is he a ruler? What type of ruler is he? What's going on? And, 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 and But he did have those dreams and whatever. So this Rosham Shemafal Hirsch explains beautifully. He says what? He says he, he waited for the opportunity to make complete shalom. Some of Farshim explained that he maybe helped him do tshuva. Okay, whatever. But Rosham Shemafal, the way he explains this, is that his whole motivation was one thing. Shalom, shalom, and shalom. Sim shalom. It's, it's, it is nothing without shalom, but real shalom. And that's why he waited. And you want to know why he did all this thing and seemed to torture them? To show them, I'm not just the one who gives out the food in Mitzrayim. I have complete control, complete power. If I want, I could do what I want over here. And he, and he showed them until they felt it. Once they felt it and they saw, oh boy, this person could really do whatever he wants. We're in big trouble now. That's when he says, Ani Yosef, I'm letting it go. It's fine. I, it's over. I'm not upset. I, I'm not what you thought I'm going to be. I'm not this ruthless ruler king. I'm not. I'm not. Put me in this position. It's all the plan of Hashem. This is not me. It's nothing to do with me. I'm not claiming I'm some sort of, who knows, superstar. I'm just telling you, this is a Kaddish Baruch Hu's plan. This is, for whatever reason, this is what Kaddish Baruch Hu decided. So let's use it to connect to Hashem. Let's use it to connect to Hashem. That was the whole purpose 
of what he did over here, to have them feel, look, I'm letting you go. And his setup with Binyamin, you know why he said, go get Binyamin? You know why he said Binyamin? Because he's giving them an opportunity to prove themselves now. The same way they took him, him away from Yaakov Avinu, he's saying, now I'm going to test you. I'm going to have you take Binyamin away from my father. I'm going to have you take Binyamin away. You're going to take Binyamin away from my father, and I'm going to bring him over here. I'm going to plant a goblet in his sack, and at which point you can easily rationalize. The same way you rationalized before, you can rationalize now, and you can say, well, you know what? Maybe Binyamin, maybe, maybe Binyamin did take the goblet. Who knows? Lemaise, it was, in his, it was in his pack, so who knows? Maybe Binyamin did. It's a crazy thing, but maybe he did, so maybe we'll rationalize and say, whatever, no problem, goodbye. We don't want to get involved with this. Goodbye, we're out of here. But they stuck it till the end. They were like, no, 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 no. He, when he saw that, they said, we're going to be slaves together with Binyamin. We do not, no, we're not leaving Binyamin. And then, later on, he says, no, I just want Binyamin. And Yudah's like, no way. Yudah comes over to him and he, he felt it. Like, who does? If he has to wage war, Yudah would have waged war. He would have waged war against the whole thing. And when he saw that, he saw, okay, that's it. They, this, the, these brothers of mine, I feel they changed. I can reconnect to them. I can reconnect them. It's okay. And that's when he said, I need Yosef. And that's when he reconnected. And that's when they were blown away. Like, wow, this is actually you, Yosef. And they felt connected. And there was real shlemus. There was real shalom. There was real connection. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a question. He asked me, a bacher asked me, he says to me, Rabbi Greenfield, he says to me, what if the love dissipates? What if the love goes away? What happens? I get married, I get married, and I don't know, I'm scared, like, my love's going to go away, my wife's love is going to go away. What am I going to do? You know what? What is love? What does that mean? What does that mean, love? Ahava. Ahava. What is the showish of that word? Ahava. The middle two letters, hey and vase. Have means giving. You know what? There's two types of loves in the world. There's two types of loves. Love number one is the love that we have with our family. I'm talking about blood relatives. That's a certain connection that we have with the people who gave birth to us, the people who are brothers, our sisters, our grandmothers. They don't have to necessarily do anything. There's a connection because they're a piece of us. They're, we're connected to them physically. We feel connected to them. There's some sort of connection. We could lose that love too, but there's, it doesn't, you don't have to do anything. Okay, I'm born to have brothers and sisters to fight with them, but you know what? I still love them, right? I still love my brothers and sisters. There's an inherent love in a family. That's one type of love. The other type of love is many times, and maybe most times, much deeper than the blood love. Why? Because it's a love that we, that we do through Yagiyah, through Ishtadlus. It's not an automatic, autopilot love. It's called marriage. That's what it's called. It's called marriage. It's a love. And what happens? Here's the process. It also comes through have giving. Or I should say, this is the type of love that comes through have giving. And here's the process of this love. So you ever think to yourself, what's love? Listen to me and you'll hear it. Step number one. You're going on a shidduch, or you have a basho, or whatever it is, and you feel a connection. You feel a connection. I, I'm not going to tell you this is a high-level love. It's a connection. What's the connection? The connection is you recognize someone's good midos. You recognize the good in another person. So your neshama and his neshama or her neshama, there's a connection, there's a bond. You're like, wow, this person is so good, the way they talk, the way they care. The midos told us, you know, look at the shidduch resumes. You look at the shidduch resumes today. I think almost all the shidduch resumes, all looking for the same. Good midos. Midos like midos tovos. You're a but good midos. Caring, loving. Why is that so important? Because that creates a certain love right away. You see a person who's caring, who's giving, who's there for the other person. You feel bonded to that person. Wow, it's so. You can have friends like that. You can have friends like that. But in a marriage, it's much more intense. It's much more intense. So you recognize another person like, wow, such a special person. Such a special woman. I want to marry her. She's so special. She's so caring and loving. It's, it's the beginning of the process of that, of that love, of the connection. Because that's what it is. The connection, the unity, the bond. It starts. It starts. And then it starts developing. So in the beginning, last class, Shona Rishona class. So in the beginning, there's love. Of course there's love. I'm not going to say it's not real. This is like a big question. Like when I first met my husband, did I really love him? When I first met my wife, that I really love her. People ask this all the time. Was that real love? Was that infatuation? What was that? 
What was that? Is that real? Was it physical, spiritual? No, of course it was real. Of course it was real. It was real because there was a recognition, there was a connection, there was some sort of bond. It wasn't intense, it wasn't solidified yet, but there was something. In order to plant it and make it, you know, plant it, water it, have it grow, have it, have it flourish, that's all about giving. That's the have, the giving. But I'm going to say something controversial now. Yes, I will. Why? Because I know some of you have heard otherwise, but I'm going to say it. It's not just about giving. It's about giving and then appreciating. You know, it's not just, oh, I'm going to give you and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to be there for you. Okay, that's great. But if I don't feel appreciated, if a woman feels overworked, um, if a woman feels unappreciated, if a woman feels not cared for, it's just, she'll give, 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 give. It's not going to work in a marriage. Same thing for a man. If a man feels that he's going to work for the family, he's working really hard, and he's coming, and he's tired, and he's doing whatever he can, he doesn't feel appreciated. He just gives and gives and gives and gives. Right? Oh, so I love. No, no. That, that doesn't work. You know where that works? That works maybe with your child. Maybe with your child. If you give and you give and you give. But the truth of the matter, think to yourself for a second. Ladies, you're listening to this. When you give your child, and you give and you give and you give, do you also want to love them? Because you give them? No, you love them before. You love them after. It's a different type of love. It's a family love, right? And, and even with your baby, the innocent baby, then it's different. Then you can say, okay, feeding your little innocent baby, which is a beautiful, wonderful baby, and you feel that the baby is, is, is full of joy. That makes you happy that you're able to give and you're able to make that your that your son is happy that your daughter is happy you know do you ever go to your par- ever go to your mother's house anybody's listening to this you ever go to your mother's house and you go to your mother and she's like oh are you hungry let me give you teeth and it gives her such hana it gives her such hana to give her child teeth or ladies who listening doesn't it give you hana if you give your child to eat and he's enjoying it right that's a child. That's a child. You have a connection with that. You have a connection because it's your child. It's, it's, it's a piece of you. It's, it's one. You have that connection already. You don't have to build it. However, Kiddushin, which is Kadosh, which is holiness, that's a love that you work on for yourself. And when it happens, it's a very holy love. It's a very special love. The Shekhinah comes down when you... Have that connection with your husband, with your wife. The Shekhinah comes down because that's something that you worked on from yourself. That comes through Bechira. That's a creation of love that you devise and you put in and you're connecting to Hashem. That type of love is a love that starts when you meet your husband and you see, or your wife, you see their good qualities. And then you give and he appreciates. Or she gives and you appreciate. And you create a circle of giving and appreciating, giving and appreciating, giving and appreciating. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and the love flourishes and flourishes and flourishes. Sometimes in your marriage you're not going to feel that. And I'm saying it. Yes, I'm saying it here on the air. Sometimes some because I see I see Barsha, I see couples, I've seen couples who, who are like, you know, they're not, not, not loving each other, but I hate him, I hate her, I hate him. And all of a sudden, it all comes back. What do you mean? You lost your love, right? Says Bachar, I'll tell him, oh, man, that's a big problem, you lose love. It's not a problem, don't be scared. Yes, yeah, sometimes in marriage, especially when there's a lot of machlokas in the house, or it could be for an hour, I'm upset, isn't that? You lose that feeling, you lose that feeling. Is it still there? Of course it's there. Of course it's there. And by the way, I'll prove to you that the love never, never really goes away. I'll prove it to you in a certain case. Sometimes you have to get it out of your system, chas v'shalom, if there's a get, but I'm not even going there. I'm talking about a situation where, you know, all of a sudden you're in a marriage and you feel like, oh, that's it, I don't like him anymore. I don't like her anymore. I just feel disgusted by him, by her. Chas v'shalom. If chas v'shalom, this happens. Chas v'chalila, it should never happen to us. But if you feel part of it, I don't love. Don't you think you don't love? I'll prove it to you. You know how to prove it? Because it's chas v'shalom. After you feel all upset at your husband, you get into a big fight with him, or you feel all upset at your wife, you get a big fight with her. All of a sudden, you get a chas v'shalom, you get a phone call that something chas v'shalom happened bad. Not to you people, not to anybody. It's a theoretical case. And you hear that your wife is in the hospital, something happened. Oh, I'm not going there. I hate her guts. I don't, she, we just got into a big fight. I don't care. Let her do it. Chas v'shalom, of course not. You're going to run to the hospital. You're going to run. The, the hate is going to dissipate. It'll all go away. The love is still there. So the Bachar who asked me, I said, the love never goes away. I'm not going to love. No, you don't feel it anymore. It's sullied. It's hidden. It's under rocks and stones and dirt, and you've got to excavate the love, but it's still there. You want to know why? 
because you're married to her and she gave you and you gave her. The giving never goes away. The giving never goes away. You know, like this. Okay. I know know this is a different topic, but I think it's very important. Akadosh Baruch Hu gives us opportunities to connect to him. Okay, different opportunities to connect to him. And marriage is one of those opportunities to connect. Now, one of the one of those ways, one of the ways that we're like a Kaddish Baruch Hu, not, I mean, Kaddish Baruch Hu created us, but we don't create. People don't create. Only a Kaddish Baruch Hu creates. But when we speak, that's a certain form of creation. We do create. And that's why Lashon Hara and, and, and Davening and Torah is so important. Just when we open up, open up our mouth and we move our lips and we create words, there's a real creation over there. It, it's, we're really doing something. You're creating words. You're creating words. And it's funny because I actually, someone once told me, I don't know if this is, this, is, this is true or false, but somebody once told me that theoretically speaking, when you speak, not that they have the technology to do this, but theoretically speaking, when you speak, you're creating words and, and those words could somehow be recaptured later on, whatever that means. But at the end of the day, you are creating words and the words don't go away. They don't go away. And chas v'shalom, in your marriage, if you say something belittling to your husband or belittling to your wife, it doesn't go away. Of course, okay, we're not thinking about it anymore, or whatever, but we don't say we don't talk, we don't say certain things in marriage. We just don't say that. You don't say those words in marriage, and we'll talk about that soon. But what we say and we don't say in marriage. But it, it's a real thing. You're creating words. Similarly with love, when you when you give someone else of yourself and you're selfless and you're helping your wife and you're or you're helping your husband, and nobody who's listening to the show can tell me that your husband never never helped you. He never did anything for you. I, I don't I don't believe it. I don't believe anybody listening to the show can tell me that my wife never did anything for me. I, I don't believe that's true. So the more you give her and she gives you, that creates a bond, that creates a love. That love doesn't go away. It might be sullied, it might be there might be earth in it. I don't feel it right now, but that exists. And the same way, if you hear something terrible happens to your husband, terrible happens, you're going to go to the hospital, of course. Oh my gosh, my husband. You're not going to say, oh, we got into a fight. I don't care about him anymore. It's ridiculous because it still exists. The love is still there. But we have to do whatever we can to recapture the love. This is what Yosef Atzadik was doing. This is what Yosef Atzadik was doing. There is no one who's listening to the show, I, I, and you know this is true. There's no one who's listening to this show who can tell me that they suffered as much as Yosef Atadik, or even an ounce as much as Yosef Atadik suffered. Can you imagine what he went through? In a pit, he was sold, he was in prison. No, no one could say that. No, no one can say that. You know, I'm saying only people. You know, I, I don't know. Actually, I, I shouldn't say that. Maybe the pe- we have older people as the show. Maybe people who've gone through Nebuch, World War II, Vachula, in Ochanami. But I would say 95% of the people are listening to the show. You know. Did we, did we go through what Yosef went through? Of course not. What did he do? He could have simply said, and you all know this, Yosef could have said, my brothers, I don't want to ever speak to them again, ever. I hate their guts. I hate them. I don't want to talk to them. What they did to me? Either I'll torture them or I'm just going to ignore them. I, I just can't. But you know what Yosef did? He did everything possible to achieve peace. That's what he did. That's, 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 that's Shif Deka and that's Yosef Atzadik. That's just called Yosef Atzadik. That's Yosef Atzadik. Let's, Bring that into our relationships. Can we please bring that into relationships? Are you in a fight with your husband? Do you lose some of the interest? Is, do you feel a disconnection? Chas v'shalom. If you do, let's do whatever we can to reconnect. It's there. The love is there. Yosef HaTzadik knew it was there. He did whatever he can for shalom. So we also have to do whatever we can for shalom. So you don't have to worry about the love going away. The love doesn't go away. Maybe the feeling goes away. The love doesn't go away. It's still there. It's sullied. It's the pile of dirt on it, but we could do whatever. Last week we were talking about Shana Rishona principles. I didn't get to finish the show because Baruch Hashem, we had a lot to talk about. So now I, w- I want to continue that. And you might say, Rabbi Greenfield, I'm married for 15 years already. Shana Rishona, yes, it's important. I'll tell you why. Because a couple of things. First of all, first of all, there are principles. Maybe you had a great Shana Rishona. And it was really, really wonderful. But you know, it's called Chazara. You have to hear it again. It's so important. It's like professional development. We hear it again and again, and we do it again and again until we, until we strengthen our, 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 uh, our marriage muscles. So that's number one. If you, are in Shana, if you haven't had a good Rishana Rishona, it's very important to hear this. If you are in Shana Rishona, it's very important to hear this. We said some very pivotal, very, very pivotal uh, principles last week. Number one. Marriage. 
remember, the daily purpose of marriage. Forget about having children. Of course, it's a mitzvah to have children, but that's not why we get married. That's part of why we get married, but the daily purpose of, of marriage is two things, right? It's what, it's what the Ramam speaks about, two things. Number one, it's about connection, connecting, dveikis, unity, giving, selfless giving, and appreciation, selfless giving, appreciation, back and forth and back and forth, and watering the plant called marriage. Number two, it's about shlemus. It's about growing in our midos. And yes, my husband is going to annoy me. And yes, my wife is going to annoy me. And yes, he has demands. She has demands. But I am mevater. I'm mevater, like the Mesilas Yasharm tells me, like Revalba tells me, like Vigda Miller tells me, the Desire tells me. I make a bracha under the chuppah. I am now becoming a person because I'm married and I have challenges. It's about shlemis. So maybe I'm not feeling connected to my wife. Maybe I'm not feeling connected to my husband. Maybe, maybe we haven't felt connected for a while, but it's still, it's still an amazing thing. I'm still in shlemis. Of course, you should work on the connection, but I still am achieving. I'm achieving. So we said that what? We said... We said, we were talking about greeting husbands. We were talking about establishing routines last week. We're talking about basic principles. This is not a marriage workshop I'm giving you here. But, but basic principles that we have to do chazar every day. Do chazar. So a couple of things. First of all, last week I spoke about establishing routines. And you know what I said? I said that it's important to spend quality time together with your spouse. Can't say this enough. Quality time together with your spouse, right? We have to establish specific dates, times that you're going to spend quality time with your husband, with your wife. Now, most of the women are hearing this and like, oh, I'd love that. My husband gives me quality time. Some of your husbands are giving you quality time. Baruch Hashem. It's important to establish, and we're talking about what happens during that quality time. I just want to say one thing. It's very important. I got a, I got a text. I think it was a phone call. After the show, after the show's Baruch Hashem, I thank you all for your feedback. It, it's great to get feedback, but sometimes I like think things over because somebody actually texted me, said to me, Greenfield, maybe I, I really appreciated the fact that you spoke about listening and when you're spending quality time to listen to each other. But she was saying, what about empathy and support? And if I didn't highlight it last week, Rabbi Yisai, ladies and gentlemen, I want to highlight it this week. When you're listening to your spouse, of course you want to listen and say, aha, that's crazy. Why? I can't believe you had such a crazy day. That's, that's empathy. That's empathy and sympathy. But there's another part of it, and that's being supportive. Wow, you're under so much financial pressure. That's crazy. Don't worry. HaKadosh Baruch is going to help you. Hashem will help you. You'll see it'll be okay. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Or, man, you're listening to your wives, and she's telling you how it's hard for her because... And some things might hit home because you feel like blame. Don't feel blamed. She's not blaming you. She's not blaming you. She's just telling you the house, and it's hard for her because, because the house is, it, it, there are more kids now, and the kids are running around. If she feels she has no space, in Mirza Shem it'll work out. Don't feel, she's not blaming. She's just venting. In Mirza Shem it'll all work out. Don't worry, Hashem will take care of it. It'll be fine. We'll figure something out together. It'll be fine. It's so important that peace is important. Though that person who called me, I'm not sure who it was. I appreciate that because it's so important to support, support. Empathize and number two, support. And remember how important it is for everything because it's going to allow you to forego it, allow you to negotiate better. If you have, you probably won't have to negotiate much with your husband or with your wife if you're spending quality time together. You're really connecting. You're not going to be fighting. Well, fighting that's going on. By the way, I'm mentioning fighting. Fighting is it, fighting is not fighting. I have to tell you that fighting is not good. I have to tell you, but those who are fighting in your houses in front of the children, please, please. You know what? Fine. Listen to my shows. You know, I'm working on a on a on an audio workshop right now. I hope it's gonna be done soon. I really hope and I'm will make it available. And it's it's gonna be very important. People always tell me, you know, people need training in marriage, been training in marriage, and we do have workshops. Nothing compares to a live workshop. But I know a lot of you are not gonna be able to ever go to a live workshop. So I'm putting together now a a a comprehensive marriage workshop, cover all, you know, all the details, prevention for going, negotiating, being mevater, the principles, the Torah's uh, principles of marriage. But in any case, in any case, if you haven't yet have the skills and tools to navigate in your house, and there's a lot of machlokas in your house, can you please not do it in front of the children? <laughs> really? Why should the children hear it? Now, the other thing I want to mention like this, uh, other principles, and it's like this, for the ladies, for the ladies. Oh, for, first of all, for the men. Men, Listen to your wife. Listen to your wife. Let her talk about her day. 
what, what, she, she's asking about your day. Don't just say, yeah, it was a good day. Talk to her. So it's not, you know what? To your friend, you wouldn't say, oh, it was fine. Had a good day, whatever. Well, you want to hear the details? Yes, your wife wants to hear the details. She wants to connect to you. She wants to feel that she's part of you. When she hears about your day and the details, she, she likes that. She feels like she spent a day with you, possibly. And honestly, men, when you speak about your day, you'll see you're going to feel better also. So it's important. It's important to talk. This, by the way, this works both. I'm talking to the men, but sometimes it's a problem with the women, honestly. I, I know. I, I try to balance the seesaw here, but sometimes it is a problem with women. Women are not listening. But uh, it's important on both ends. It's really important both to listen. Spend time listening. You're so, so busy. Who's not busy today? Ladies, give your husband's instructions. <laughs> we speak about give your husband's instructions sometimes it's like why did he do this why did he do that I can't believe my husband give him instructions I had a really hard day say to him Moshe Yaakov Shimon Yehuda honey whatever you call your husband I had a really hard day if we can talk a little bit and you can genuinely listen to me and empathize with me that would really help <laughs> but Greenfield I don't talk that to my husband I'm going to feel like a loser so what would you rather do not connect to him feel resentment, not receive your primary needs, and, and therefore it's going to become a disconnect and then fight with him the next day because everything is going to bother you? So don't do that. Give him instructions. He wants to be there for you. Just give him the instructions. You'll see a lot of times th these instructions could, it could be a game changer in your marriage. Saying to your husband, I know how busy you are. So I'm just reminding you the next week is our anniversary or my birthday or Hanukkah or Purim, whatever it is. If you want to get, you don't have to give me a gift. I'm just reminding you. That's it. He might forget. If you have a forgetful husband, nothing wrong with saying that. Or calling your husband, saying to him, Yaakov, I'm going to be home in 15 minutes. It would make me so happy if the house is clean. Say that to your husband. It's supposed to come into your house. The house is not clean. Being upset. You were supposed to take care of the kids. You are supposed to take care of the house. How come you're not taking care? Not to get upset. To give, give him instructions. It's so important, these instructions. Now, next is policy making. This is very important. I don't know if I got into this last week or not. Very, very important. I'm about to say. Policy making is crucial, crucial to a harmonious home. You want Shalom in your house, it's very, very important to have policies. And I want to talk about some of the policies. Number one, and I think this policy should exist in every, every Jewish home. We do not ever, ever use nivel pe in this house. We don't. We, I don't care how angry I am, and I don't care how angry you are. We do not ever use nivel pet. It, it, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the home. It, we don't bring that into our house. We don't bring that into our house. Now, of course, those of you who, who are listening to this and thinking, oh, boy, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it happens. Chas v'shalom. Don't go to your husband's tonight and, you know, oh, we better not use a nivel pair. Go to your wife and say, we don't use that. Obviously, you have to know how to speak to your husband, speak to your wife about this. And, you know, we have a show called Request, whatever. But in any case, we don't use nivel pair. okay? Now, if you feel that your husband is criticizing you, attacking you, you feel that your husband's like, like he's just in a really terrible mood. He's got his hats on. He's out to get you. And he's like, how come this, that, the other thing? You make a policy. Not, you don't tell it to him, you don't tell it to him while it's happening, but you make a policy. There's a policy in the house. I can tell you, it's really not a good, it's really not a good time for me to discuss this. I will make, if you want, I'll make myself available at 10 p.m. and we'll discuss it at 10 p.m. Right now is not a good time. Why? The kids are around. I'm under a lot of stress. I have to clean the house. Men could do this also to their wives. They can say to their wives, it's really not a good time to discuss. Let's discuss at 10 p.m. Right now I have to go to the bank. I have to make a deposit. I have to pay the insurance bill. I have a million things. Let's make an appointment. We can do that. It's a policy. This is a Shana Shana thing. If you don't have it in your house, you should have it in your house. Next. We, we made up a way to interrupt each other when we're on the phone. If you're on the phone, if I'm on the phone, you want to talk to me? You know what? We made something up. You could write me something. Or you could say, excuse me. We don't interrupt each other while we're on the phone. It's simply rude. We, we have a way of doing it. If, if, if I'm on the, if, if, or if I want to get you and I call you again and again, you're not picking up the phone. So you know what we made up? After three calls, you pick up. Whatever it is. There are policies. We don't get upset. Next. Next. We do not... Say the D word in our house. That doesn't exist. The D word. Yes, the D word. You know, it, 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 I think it's the Grud that says that you, you never find in the, the whole Torah, you will not find the word, the letter Gimel and the letter Tess connected. They're, they're never connected. Think about it. Those letters are not connected in the whole Torah. 
Why? Because that's not a word that's supposed to be said. That's like saying amputation. We don't say that. I don't care how angry you are. Next. If your husband is eating unhealthy or if your wife is eating unhealthy, we don't go, oh, you're fressing again. Oh, what are you eating there? Oh, how many calories? Are that? A thousand calories? Oh, wonderful. You're taking care of yourself now. Wonderful. Great. How much did you weigh last time? I didn't say anything. Oh, you're being nice to me. Get the sarcasm out of your house, number one. Get the sar If you have sarcasm in your house, can you, can you just clean it up? Get it out. Get the ra'al, the poison, the sarcasm out of your house. Sarcasm does not belong in your house, in your marriage. If your husband or your wife is eating, you made up a policy already. And you know what the policy is? The policy could be, oh, it looks like you're very hungry. How about you eat this? Okay, fine. If you want to eat this, not here. Have an I was thinking maybe you want to have an apple, maybe you want this. We have a policy. We have a policy in our house. That's We, we made this up already. Shana Rishona, right? It's supposed to be Shana If the after Shana Rishona, if the children interrupt us during the meal, right? Tati's talking, and then the children are fighting, whatever it is. So we made a policy. The mommy says, you know, Tati's talking right now. Please show him covered. Of mommy speaking, mommy's talking right now. We're singing his mirrors. Please show Tati respect. This is a policy that we made. I'm not saying that you have to make these policies every single one of these policies, but you're going to see a lot of these things are patterns and it happens over and over and over again. So why get frustrated? Why not just make a policy in your house and before it happens, and then when it happens, you, you know. Or if chas v'shalom, let's say you feel your husband hurt you, hurt your feelings in the middle of the meal, right? And you're like really upset. He says something very nasty to you and embarrassing in front of your mother, your sister, or whatever it is, right? So you have a policy, you feel hurt. You don't want to act cold to your husband. So you can say to him, Moshe, can I just show you something? And you call him to the side because you can't You can't be mavater because otherwise, you get, I don't know, you're going to feel you. Try, oh, of course, try to be mavater. Of course, try to be mavater. But if you can't be mavater because you're going to feel the whole meal is going to be terrible. So you call him to the kitchen and say, you know, Moshe, maybe you didn't, I know you probably didn't mean it. But when you said, to, when you said in front of the table that the challah tastes interesting this time, I don't know, I, I was very, I felt very uncomfortable. With that. Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't mean that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Get back to the table. Now we can act normal. Didn't have to. Ha this, this conversation doesn't have to have him come in front of the kids. You have to start stucking your husband and stucking your wife. Those of you who don't understand what stucking means, it's like a underhanded insult. You know, we don't do that. We don't do that in our marriages. Marriage is kadosh. It's holy. Okay, next. Assumptions. Assumptions. My assumptions that we'll be able to finish today. We don't have so much time. Okay, assumptions in marriage. You know what? Listen to me, this is very important. Despite the fact that your husband never minded in the past or that your wife never minded in the past, always ask. Don't assume. Don't assume. What do you mean I have to assume? My husband always lets me use his office for guests. Why do I have to ask again? Ask him. He's a man. He doesn't well, don't do well with control. He's very, very sensitive to control. Trust me. Men are sensitive to control. Women are also. And sometimes you have women who are more sensitive to control than their husbands. But in general, you know, I'm not trying to stereotype here. I'm just telling you from my experience. And you could call, you know, call, call whatever you want. But let's be real. At the end of the day, men are sensitive to control. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, don't tell me what to do. It's what your husband might. Maybe you have a husband who doesn't care. I don't know. I, I have a message for men that you can just control them around. But you know what? They're very sensitive to control. So fine. No problem. I'll ask you. We're having guests. Is it okay if I if we use your office for for the, uh, for the guests? You mean you clean your papers, or you know what? We're gonna have uh, your your sister called. She's coming for Shabbos. Don't say that. Instead, ask your husband. Could your sister come? What what, what I have to ask him? He, he loves his sister. She always comes. It's fine. It's not a problem. You know what? Some you know your husband. By the way, I'm not saying this is a cloud gadol. You have to do this, but you know your husband. If you see that it annoys you, I would say lichatchila, which means. Initially, ask. Men, this, this, ha this is for you too. This is for you too. Don't assume that since you come late every Tuesday night, so you could come late this Tuesday night also. No, ask your wife. Say to her, I have a shear. Is it okay? It just started the shear. You just started the shear last week? Well, it's going for two weeks already. She knows I come late. No, she doesn't know nothing. Call her. Tell her. Well, she knows when I go to my river, I come back late. No, no, no. Ask her again. Ask her, is it okay if I come later? I know you're expecting me. Ask your wife. Ask your wife. Ladies, if you want to use, let's say, plastic on Shabbos, this is a big thing, right? Losing, it's like a big, use paper or plastic on Shabbos. Gentlemen, your wives can't always use china on Shabbos because, it, you know what? You're going to help them clean the dishes? Okay, it's one thing. But if you don't have a dishwasher in china, maybe for Shabbos, this, maybe for the meal, they'll want to use plastic dishware. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's really okay for your wives to use plastic. But you know what, ladies? Ask your husbands. 
Don't assume because it's okay all the time. Ask your husbands. If you ask your husbands, it gives them a feeling of, okay, you're asking me, you're respecting me. Fine. No problem. Of course, it's not a problem, right? You can't change linen on the bed. You haven't changed linen. You, let's say you change linen every week, right? Change, you change linen every week. This week, you can't change linen. Ah, my husband doesn't mind. I'm not going to say anything to him. You can ask him, say to him, do you mind? Of course, he's going to say it's not a problem. It's not a problem. But let's not assume this is an opportunity to connect. Why? Wow, you're asking me, even though you know I usually don't care. It works both ways, both for men and for women. Next, toxic threats. We don't do toxic threats. These are policies that have to be in, in our houses. I hope they're, they're all in your houses, right? Men, you can't just get up one day on Shabbos, right? Right? Say, I'm not washing until all the kids wash. I'm not washing. I'm not washing. I'm not washing. Oh, I'm not washing. That's, that's, that's a threat. Instead, say, okay, children, you want to wash? Let's wash. Let's not put threats in our homes. Threats don't belong in our homes. I'm not leaving this house until it's cleaned. You hear me? I'm, I don't care we're going on vacation. I'm not, I'm not leaving this house until it's all clean. We don't, that's a threat. That doesn't belong in a house. Doesn't belong in a Makam Kadosh. Doesn't belong, didn't happen in the base of Mikdash, right? No one threatened anybody in the base of Mikdash. Or we're not leaving until you make that phone call. It's a threat. It, 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 it's not. Husbands should not do it to wives. Wives should not do it to husbands. These are things that, that are just it's like one threat after another threat after threat. These things do not belong in our homes. Certain things belong in our homes. Certain things do not belong in our homes. This thing does not belong in our homes. Now, I want to tell you something else that's like this, and I'm not going to get into it, but those of you who are listening to me right now, okay, and you're thinking, whoa, okay, Rebecca Greenfield, I'm hearing what you're saying, and some of the stuff I really have to discuss with my husband. It's, it's very, very important. A lot of the policies you speak about, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, I could relate. Maybe you can't, but if you could relate to this, please, when you're going to speak to your husband tonight, or when you're going to speak to your wife about it, remember, make an appointment. You want to make sure that your spouse doesn't have his or her hats on. They're not hungry. They're not angry. They're not tired. They're not stressed. Sometimes, you know, I tell people now sometimes, and this is, might be a chiddish, next week we're going to deal more with next week, Oh, next week, actually, I don't know if I could be here. Maybe okay, we'll see. Mr. Shem, next week we're gonna we're gonna try to work. We're gonna talk. We're gonna move back into into. We're talking a lot about Shana Mishana. We're talking a lot about prevention now. I want to move towards towards foregoing and negotiating again because that's a very important thing. I want to add some very pivotal chedushim, but a, a very big piece of it is that what is is that when you're speaking to your husband or your wife, you have to. Or if your husband's being very critical, your wife's being very critical, and you want to see if they have their hats on, sometimes it takes a while for the hats to come off. And if and if you're in your mind right now, if you're thinking to yourself, I think you feel I always have my hats on because I'm so tired, I never go to sleep on time, or my husband always has his hats on because he's so tired, he never goes to sleep on time, he's always stressed, always that. Don't give up. Don't give up. Think about Yosef Asadik, he could have given up. He had every reason to give up, right? His husband, his, his brothers threw him into the pit. He was in prison for years. He could have forget. I'm, I'm not interested anymore. I'm not interested. I'm gonna make peace. Are you for real? Are you for real? Nobody here is experienced what Yosef Tzaddik experienced, right? Like we said before, whatever it was. But but do whatever you can for Shalom. Sometimes you have to wait till the hat is off. He's not hungry. He's not tired. Work on your time. If you're tired, by the way, nonstop, you sleep. You're not sleeping. You might have to go to a sleep doctor. Do you know those things exist? Yes, we actually have it. I think there's an ad that runs here all the time. Uh, someone snoring, sleep apnea. It happens to be a great doctor. That what? Um, uh, that what? That you might have sleep apnea. You might not be sleeping. You might be going to sleep late. Your schedule might be just misaligned or, as they say, Belaz, messed up. Schedule, it's not working. You're not going to sleep on time. You're going to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning. You wake up at 5. Oh, I wake up for sheer and I wake up for davening. Okay, great. But you know what? You're putting your hats on. So what's more important now? What's more important? That you go to sheer every day or that you come back home and you're screaming at your wife because why? Because you're so tired. So every day it's screaming, screaming, complaining, and criticizing because you're so tired. You're not getting sleep. So maybe you should speak to the Rav and the Paisik and say to him, you know what? What do you think I should do? Maybe I should change my share. I can't go to this share that I like in the morning. I go to a different share. Change your schedule around. But don't give up. Never give up. No one should ever, ever give up. And hopefully after you hear my shows, hopefully 
we have Siyat Shemaya together to invigorate you, to invigorate us to say, okay, no, you're right, let's try. Let's try to work on our marriage. Let's try to work on it. Let's try to make it better. Let's healthier. Let's feel more connected. Let's do what we can. So if any of the policies that you heard today and you want to speak to your husband about or your wife about, number one, find a good time. Find a good time. I'm, let's pick something out of a hat. Let's say, uh, for argument's sake, uh, what happens on the Shabbos table? Or let's say the phone call. Here, let's say the phone calls, right? You have this phone call issue. It's like you constantly, I'm on the phone. Why are you interrupting me for? Why am I on the phone? This is constantly happening in your house. I'm on the phone. Like, I'm on the phone, right? Or when you come home, men, and your wife's on the phone and she's like, she's ignoring you. Or make a policy. So here's here's one. Here's this is, this is for the men. You find a good time. Speak to your wife. Always start off. You know, I say, car, connect to your wife. I, you know, when I come home, I'm, I know you have a hard day. And when you speak on the phone, I know that you're just speaking to your friends. I'm so happy you're speaking to your friends, whatever it is. But when I come home, if if after five minutes, just five, I don't, if if after five minutes you can hang up the phone and give me some attention, I would really appreciate that. Or Ladies, to say to your, to your husbands, sometimes I try to reach you. I know you're busy. Start by saying, I know you're busy. I know you have a crazy day. And I really appreciate the fact that you work so hard for the family. But sometimes I try to call you. It's an important thing. It seems like you're not picking up. I know you have other things. I'm not saying, chas And sometimes you're right. I call you just to say hello. Sometimes it's very, very important. So, so if we can make up that after like three rings, you see me three or two rings, whatever it is, you can pick up. That means it's very important. Then you can pick up. That would make me very happy. That's it. Very. That's the policy we can make, or if we can make up, you know, you know, we get very upset sometimes. We say things that are maybe are inappropriate, chas v'shalom. So if we can make up that as upset as we get, we'll never say certain things. Okay, we'll try. We don't say certain things in the home, or 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 if 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 we're on the Shabbos table and I feel all of a sudden really hurt by you, so instead of being nasty or whatever it is, if it's okay, I think if it's okay with you. I'll call you to the kitchen. I know you're a middle of guest, but I'll say I'll say Moshe, can you come to the kitchen check the salad a second? That means I want to talk to you for a second, and we can just work out whatever it is. I'll try to be mavata, I really will, but if I feel like it's an atom bomb, that's the way we'll work it. And through that, you bring connection. Through that, you bring shalom. Through that, you do what Yosef HaTzadik did. This week's Pasha, you're going to hear it. Everybody's listening to this. You're going to hear it this week in shul, right? Ladies might not, might not hear it in shul, but they might read it. Whatever it is, we all know the story. Yehuda's coming over, right? Yehuda's sort of chapt. He's like, okay, this is not a punishment for what I did to Yosef because... Hashem wants, Hashem wants, it seems like just Binyamin is supposed to be here. So now I'm going to do what I can do. But you know what he did? He first asked for mercy from Yosef HaTzadik. He said to him, like, what am I going to do with my father? Nafsha, their nefesh, their souls is connected. What do I do with, with, with my father? What do I do with my father? They're connected. And that's when Yosef felt, oh, okay, fine. Now I feel love towards my brothers. Now my brothers will leave, feel love towards me. Ani Yosef, Odavinu Chai. Ani Yosef, I am Yosef. Now we can connect. Now we can have shalom. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This has been Rabbi Yitz Greenfield. Questions, comments, feedback, 917-397-2841. 917-397-2841. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing, amazing week, Kultur.